Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Look at me, short. I'm the captain now. Welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dano. With me, we have Pado. Welcome, Pado. Thanks, mate. Good to be here again. Hope the Easter Bunny was great to everyone over the weekend. Happy Easter. Let's get into it. What a weird round of footy we just had. Oh, mate, it was so bloody weird. We are um, actually recording this right now as the Geelong and Hawks game is going. So we won't have fully up-to-date scores for that game. We also don't have our rank or our total, uh, but if you hear me go ape shit in this podcast, it's because I need Tyler Brockman to get a 21 to hit 2100. Let's get into it. The first game, Collingwood versus Brisbane. Take it away, Pato. Yes, Collingwood versus Brisbane. Plenty of super coach relevancy in this one. Brody Grundy went big. We predicted that one last week. What more can you say about the guy? Jeremy Howe, I thought, was one that was very interesting. I know you've got him, Dana. You've been waiting for this breakout game. 122 super coach, 22 disposals, eight marks. It looks like he's back to his vintage best. Yeah, well, Jeremy Howe, in that first quarter, he kind of went up for a mark to test out his knee, and he realised, holy shit, I've still got the hops. Went for another two to three hangers, missed them completely, but as soon as he realised that his knee was good, bam, he was just attacking everything. Yep, and if he can get back to his vintage best, he's a great point of difference for you and anyone else that might own him. So great job on starting him. We'll go to Darcy Moore. As you predicted, Pato. Did not have the greatest game. He scored a 73. This is why you should wait and see these sort of emerging primos. As you said, Jeremy Howe, Darcy Moore. Is Jeremy Howe going back to his old role? I don't really think so, but Darcy Moore was held a bit more accountable against the Brisbane Bigs. Yeah, and and we're going to see this keep happening, I think. Taller forward line in Brisbane. Darcy Moore was held a lot more accountable with being on his man and he wasn't getting those rebound possessions out of out of the back line. So I don't think he's quite at that premium status just yet. Steel side bottom didn't have the greatest game again, Pato. So Steel scored 51, but what I saw was he had 28 disposals, he gave away four free kicks and he had nine clangers. We know Steel side bottom over the years has been an absolute classy player on the field for, for Collingwood, one of very few, mind you. He won't be getting nine clangers every week. So I feel like the 51's actually great as someone that might bottom out in the next month or so and be nice and cheap to jump on him once he gets cheap. Well, we do predict that he's going to be one of those top five to six forwards in Supercoach. So him not scoring great early and finding his feet is a good thing for us because, yeah, we will get him cheap. Jared Lyons. Are we sleeping on him, Pato? He scored 139, had 10 tackles, huge fourth quarter. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think we might be sleeping on Jared Lyons here, Dano. He had a massive fourth quarter and was really the one that led Brisbane in that comeback. I think we might be sleeping on him. Last year, he averaged 112 over the 17 games. Really playing, obviously, next to Neil, but also had some really big games himself. He had 147 against the Demons. He had a few 130s and a few 120s. He has the odd bad game against the Saints in round 13. He had 57 against the Blues in round 18, which he clearly didn't give a shit about. He had 63. No one cared about that game. But I don't know if he's going to be a for sure top 10 choice, but 
if Lockie Neal's going to continue battling through this back issue, I think Jared Lyons might be one that could pop up and be a really big point of difference for everyone. Yep, I agree. Speaking on Neil, though, he did have a huge first half, but then just faded away to an 89. Do you reckon we should hold? Yeah, I I held. I don't think I regret it. I saw him at halftime and he was sitting on 70 odd, and I thought, yep, you beauty, locking Neil's back. Didn't have the biggest of second halves. He is battling a back issue, and that quote was quite concerning after the game that we all saw online. I reckon hold. Dane Zorko told everyone not to worry about him. He had less freeze against. He had a heap of tackles, 115. Keep Zorko in your plans. He will be, in my opinion, one of the top six forwards in Supercoach. We will move on now to North Melbourne versus Western Bulldogs. We tipped it as the blockbuster game of the round. (laughs) And what a bloody blockbuster game of the round it was because we saw a freaking huge bag from Bruce. Once off, don't be stupid. Don't buy into it. He's not going to play North Melbourne every week. He went huge, but yeah, that's it. It's Bruce. He's a spud. Um, He had one good game. Jack Zebel, this is a bloke that you were talking about, Pato. Take this one away from me. How'd he go? Zebel killed it. North Melbourne tried to go into damage control mode once they realised that they were nowhere near the the standard of the Bulldogs. Didn't work, clearly, because they still got fucking belted. But 155 supercoach, he had 33 disposals, 11 marks, but they were just chipping the ball around, trying to keep possession. They're not good enough, so of course it didn't work. But Zebel benefited, and he had 155. Now, that is massive for someone that was started at about 230K. Yeah, that is huge. He's going to jump up in price. Still don't know what's going on with Luke McDonald there. Wait till he comes back in. But if you've had Zebel from the start, you will see some cash generation there. So keep an eye on him. Josh Dunkley, must have forward. Went big, 132. But we were talking about that spread of points last week between the Bulldogs, Pato. Did that happen again? Do you reckon there was a a lack of spread around the Bulldogs or do you reckon there was a heap of spread but it's affecting other players' scores? Well, this this game's a little bit of an outlier and I think we might see it against teams that are playing the the North Melbourne Kangaroos because they're fucking woeful. The bigs, the forwards are going to kick goals against them and kick bags as well. And I mean, Bruce took 170 points off midfielders that would normally get them. So yeah, McRae had 108 I reckon that would be a lot more if Bruce didn't kick his 10 goals. Same with Bontempelli. Bontempelli only had 20-odd touches, but Bontempelli is someone that can still score hundreds from 20 touches because he uses it so damn well. They're not going to play north every week. Bruce isn't going to kick 10 goals probably for the rest of the season, let alone in another game. Don't stress too much, but I am still slightly concerned with the spread. Liber had 25 touches, 82 super coach. Trelaw... He looks like he's getting his feet back and had 108. Just watch this space with those Bulldogs mids. There's so much of the ball that they're sharing around. The super coach points don't change. You still get 3,300-odd every game. Just keep watch this space. Do you think Caleb Daniel got affected? He got a 96, but do you think he got affected by that spread of points around the Bulldogs players against North? He probably got affected by being bored shitless by the ball barely coming down in his forward <laughs> line. But he had 30 touches, went at 83%. That's a pretty classic Caleb Daniel game, and that would probably be a 110-115 game if they weren't playing a VFL team. So, yeah, quite possibly. Now, North Melbourne debuted what I consider to be one of the best pure mids in that draft class, Will Phillips. His debut, he got 39. He's 198,000. He is a bit expensive, but keep an eye on him because 
Like I said with Braden Campbell, he could pump out the odd 100 here and there. It was his first game. He was up against, in my opinion, one of the top three teams in the competition or could even be a premiership favourite. There we go, calling it now. So it was kind of like a baptism by fire. So keep an eye on him. Won't surprise me if he whips out an 80 or even 100 the following week. I think he's got the Crows next week. So keep an eye on that. Speaking of the Crows, we'll go to the next game. Adelaide versus Gold Coast. I had a vested interest in this game because I brought in one of our boys. It was actually your boy, Lukosius. And boy, did he fucking stink it up. I've never seen someone butcher the ball so much that's such a good user in my life. He ended up getting a 59. He had 18 kicks, 36% disposal efficiency and six clangers. So unlukosius like I believe it's going to be a one-off bad game. I'm backing him in next week. But how about Jackie Bowes? Yeah, Jack Bowes still got to 95. Now, he had 20 kicks, which we're seeing. He had 23 touches, but 20 of them were kicks. We're seeing that the first few weeks this year and even last year. He went at 58% and in a losing team still got to 95. I think they are the sort of numbers that we could be looking at someone that could crack into that top 10 defenders. Definitely one to keep an eye on, Dano. Yep. Another one is a mid-priced fallen primo in Rory Sloan. Pado, what do you reckon is going on down at Adelaide? And do you think Sloan is relevant now? We've loved Sloan for many years. Really, really hard not to respect the way he plays footy and the respect that he gives his opponents, absolute champion. He was averaging 108 before popping out this 141. He's in 4% of teams. He was 471,000 before this round. Now, obviously, we can't see the price rise. He'll probably go up above 500,000. I would hold off on the Sloan dog just because I don't know how long Adelaide can keep this up for, which brings me to my next point, Tex Walker. Leading the Coleman, slapped on six goals, 130 super coach, huge cash generation coming. It looks like he's going to end up hitting 500,000 in like a week. It's going to be insane for Tex Walker owners. But what I'm thinking is he's not a keeper. He's just purely for cash generation because I don't know how long he can keep this up for. No one does. But if you ended up jumping on him, good on you. Took balls. He's backed it up. He's had three 130-plus scores or something over the first three rounds, so he's going to make mega bucks. I just can't see him as a keeper. So, yeah, just purely cash generation. Move on to another cash generator, which is butts. Now, we talk about the rookie roller coaster all the time. I was fortunate to have Highmore on the field as my D6. He was withdrawn from the game. Butts was my emergency. Got a solid 95. He's now... Got that in his third week worth of break-even, which means that that's going to stay in for another two weeks worth of calculating after this week. So that 95 means that he is going to make some good coinage. Move on to another cash generator in Berry. Take it away, Pato. Yeah, Barry was was impressive once again. He didn't put up the numbers that he has the first couple of weeks. Still kicked a goal. Had a few tackles. Didn't hit double digits. But Sam Berry is fourth in the entire league for pressure acts, sixth in tackles overall, and ninth for pressure acts in his defensive half. 
he is no chance of getting dropped and he'll make some good money for us. I think, as you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Dano, the, the possession numbers will come, but this defensive pressure that they that he's putting on, that's what Adelaide love and that's what they've been craving after last year. He's no chance of getting dropped. Playing the way that he is, he won't get dropped, even if Matty Crouch comes in. He might have a switch of roles on the field from midfield to somewhere else, but he won't get he won't get dropped. Jimmy Rowe, my boy. Got a 40. Very disappointing. But again, rookie roller coaster. He is a small forward. He will pump out a big score here and there. But we just got him for cash generation. He was cheap as fuck. So just keep him on the pine or try and loop him onto the field if you've got a loop option. Next game was Richmond versus Sydney, who absolutely touched us up. The Swannies did. Those kids are pretty good. And Richmond were terrible. That's their worst game of the year. I'm not too concerned with round three losses, but full credit where it's due. Sydney were incredible on Saturday Arvo. Going into Jaden Short, scored 88, had 23 touches, but second half he kind of faded. If that's his worst game of the year, I'm not too concerned being an owner myself. If someone that doesn't have him is keeping an eye on him, that'll be in his rolling average for three weeks, so his price might come down a bit. Dusty wasn't great either, 85 but that was a down game, and I called it last week. I thought he would get tagged. He didn't get tagged as such, but the Sydney midfielders say another coaching masterclass from John Longmire. He just rolled his guys off him, Luke Parker, Josh Kennedy, George Hewitt. They just rolled off him and made him accountable defensively, and we know Dusty doesn't want to run defensively, so really made us pay with that one. Yep, uh, Chatty Warner, 112. He looks awesome. I don't have him. I really wanted to get him, but I just couldn't do it. So, yeah, Warner's going to jump up in price. Goulden played a bit more forward, but but they are going to be rotating their kids in and out of the midfield because they can't all play pure guts all at one time with the likes of Parker and Kennedy and all that in there. So, like we said, rookie roller coaster. There's going to be up and down scores. Thankfully, though, for Pato, Goulden didn't get 130-plus because he said if he did, he was going to captain him this week. So you got out of that one, Pato. Yes, very lucky that uh, the Swans touched us up and there were about eight guys that scored 100 plus, so he couldn't get his 130. Yeah, Campbell, 29. Again, rookie rollercoaster, that's super coach. But there's someone that I have that you want, Pato. Yeah, Keller Mills I brought in uh, after round one. Um, That was who I turned Dangerfield into. Not in many teams at all. He's in just 6% of teams and it looks like Fingers crossed Longwire sticks with it, but looks like he's going to play that pure midfield role and do it pretty well. He's not going to have probably the big 130-140 games, but we don't need that as a defensive premium. If we can get us 100 to 110 every week, we're absolutely laughing. So if you don't have Callum Mills, put him on your radar. He's in just 6% of teams and he's a great point of difference. We did get 140-plus in round one, Pato, but you missed out on that. But this guy, I got that. Possible cash cows coming in, Pato, for Richmond. Yeah, Camden McIntosh had a nasty collision with Dane Rampey, so he'll get ruled out for for the Port Adelaide game this weekend. Trent Cochin had a light hamstring. There's talk that he will play, but I don't think we'll risk him going to Adelaide to play against Port. I think they'll, he'll have a week off. Prestia, that one looked nasty. He's had real bad soft tissue injuries the last few years. He'll be out for at least a month, maybe even up to six weeks. So I'll be looking at a debutante this weekend, I reckon. Bit of a baptism of fire. 
Riley Collier Dawkins or Will Martin, I think one of those two will debut against the power on Friday night. Hopefully gives us a cash cow and at least hopefully Dimmer can play them for four or six weeks while Presti is out and we can get a bit of a price rise out of them. Yeah, agreed. Moving on, Essendon versus St Kilda. Jack Steele, yeah, he, he was just solid. 132. He looked like he was the only one that showed up for St Kilda and fought hard. The running capabilities of St Kilda were thrown out the window. Brad Hill looked shit. Brad Crouch looked shit. Anyone named Brad looked shit. But my lord and saviour, Jordan Ridley, had a fucking day out. Yeah, yeah. He was absolutely dominant on Saturday night. Really hurts as a non-owner and someone that was so good, so high on him last year and started him. But, yep, he's killing it. He's looking like he's going to be a must-have. He looks like he could be a potential vice-captain to captain option now too. Absolutely. It takes a lot to go into that category, but I think he's there. I think he is too. Zachy Merritt, 115, 34 disposals, pretty solid effort. But the main focus that I had, which I reckon would be up there for BOG, was Darcy Parrish. Yeah, Darcy Parrish was uh, very impressive on Saturday night, but he's had these games before. But for some reason, whoever was coaching Essendon last year or the year before, the fucking roller coaster over there, they just won't play him in the midfield. He plays in the midfield and he absolutely dominates. He probably had three Brownlow votes, maybe two. Ridley might pinch the three. But when he's playing midfield, he scores really well. And it's frustrating as someone that would look at him as an option, as a cheap premium. If he can keep up this midfield spot, he's definitely an option. My boy, Nicky Cox, went out there and went, bam. Right now, live score, Tyler Brockman is on one. And I had Cox on the pine with a 93. Fuck. Uh, He showed plenty in this game. This is why you hold your rookies. We said we are not concerned about Cox after round one because he will keep his spot in the side. He's got a lot of run. He just runs all day on that wing. And he finally got a bit of the ball because the likes of Shield, Heppel and Caldwell were all out. He got it. He got a 93. He's going to go up in price. Forward defensive swinger too. So that is good. We had two debutants. We had Waterman and Perkins. Waterman got an 81, two goals. Keep an eye on him for when he's on the bubble. It's 102K. Archie Perkins got a 36 at a 171K. He's a bit expensive. Wait and see. Rookie roller coaster. Week two, he could pump out an 80. We don't know. He's a big boy. Yeah. Definitely keep an eye on Perkins and Waterman. Next game was West Coast versus Port Adelaide over in Perth. West Coast finally back into their safe space over in Perth. They were impressive. Port Adelaide don't get spanked around like that very often, but West Coast just reminding the AFL world that we shouldn't be forgetting about them in this premiership race. They are definitely a contender this year. Travis Boak had 104 in a big loss, did what he expected. He'll show up even in those losses because he's a veteran, he's a professional, still had a Pretty good score for anyone that owns Travis Boak. We did say, though, with Bokey, don't expect the 160s to 140s or whatever from now on because he's finally starting to play against actual opposition and not fucking witches' hats. <laughs> Which goes for the next guy, Zach Butters. We said hold off if you can because don't fall into the trap of his high score in round two. This is why Zach Butters, 55, told you so. Fucking listen to us. Anyway, he could be up there, but expect these games from Butters. Yeah, Butters will be a good player in the future. I don't think he's super coach relevant just yet. Your boy, Pato. Your boy, your POD, your pod. Yep. Shannon Hearn was uh, was brilliant yet again. Goes at 92%. 
had 21 kicks, 108 super coach, so not a monstrous score, but he just keeps doing what he's doing. And he's done it the last few years, and for some reason he never starts out in about 20% of teams, but he keeps pumping out 100s every week. I, as a previous Hearn owner, I agree. He's pretty solid. Andrew Gaff is one to look at, though. Big price drop coming. Now, the reason why I was saying keep an eye on him because I thought Shuey coming in, he'd score big. He did. He got a 128, got 36 disposals, but Shuey got injured at the end of the game. So now we're on gaff watch. We've got to watch to see what happens with his scoring now that Shuey won't play. I'm expecting it to be four, six, even eight weeks. It's another hammy, isn't it, Pato? Yep, another hammy, which is such a shame for Shuey. He was playing so well. looked like he didn't miss a beat. And Gaff clearly benefited from having Shuey in that midfield with him as well. So it's a shame to see him go down again. They've got obviously Elliot Yo out of that first choice midfield as well. So I feel a bit sorry for the Eagles over there, but Gaff's definitely one to watch if he can just keep that midfield spot and not play out on the wing. Carlton versus Fremantle. I'll go on to start with Andy Brayshaw. Got absolutely fucking towed up by Kerno. Got a 66. He should have scored a little bit more, but champion data, Frio were pass. So, yeah, Andy Brayshaw is now one that I'm worried about when Fife doesn't play. When Fife does play, I think it's clear that they will tag Fife, and it frees up Brayshaw and Chera to do what they want. Even Chera suffered a bit in this game. Lukey Ryan, your guy, your vice-captaincy loophole option. What did you like about him? I mentioned his, him as an option. I'm not an owner myself, but he had 99 in a big loss, which you'll take if you're a Luke Ryan owner. He's not in too many teams, but was solid enough. Lloyd Meek, 66, cash cow, just doing what he does. Another cash cow in Chapman. Got an 86. He's on the bubble, 148K defender. Got a 42 the previous week. What do you reckon, Pato? Should we keep an eye on Chapman for those that are worried about Tommy Highmore? I think it's definitely an option to bring him in. We'll keep an eye on Highmore. I think St Kilda need to do something different with that back line after getting spanked by Essendon. Um, I think he could be one that can come straight back into this team. But if he doesn't, I think Chapman might be a nice option, although I don't like the sideways nature of the trade. We've also got a very cheap defender coming up as well from Carlton in Parks, who's just that bit cheaper, didn't score as well on the bubble next week, but he's only 102K. Sam Walsh decided that he wanted to be one of the best midfielders in the competition again. 124, 37 disposals. This new game style suits him so well. If you got Sam Walsh, I think you're going to be okay unless he gets tagged, but I can't see him getting tagged. I reckon after the way that Cripps played, I think Cripps will cop a tag more than Walshy. Cripps had 109, 34 disposals, two goals, and left Pato with a red face because he traded him out. Ha-ha, <laughs> Pato, shove it up, yeah. Yeah, and by the looks of just looking at his stats, probably should have scored more as well. He had 18 contested possessions. He had 11 clearances, six free kicks, two goals. Monstrous game, absolute egg on my face. I traded him out. To Tom Mitchell, who's currently getting towed up by O'Connor. So <laughs> sometimes when you give the advice, you've got to take your own fucking advice. And I didn't do that last week. Take your own fucking advice, Pato. Noted. Zachy Williams, 86. Any concerns about him, Pato? Uh, not too concerned just yet. He went off and had his knee strapped in the second quarter, I believe. 
I'm not too concerned. He had 19 touches, six clearances, so he spent time in the middle. I think those 86s will creep up towards 100 soon enough, remembering he had that few week that few weeks off, which can disrupt your preseason momentum. I'm not too concerned with Zach Williams. Paddy Dow got a 27th, looked shit. I don't think he'll get dropped from Carlton after they won, but... He needs to start stepping up. He had such a big hype on him in the preseason. He needs to pull his head in, pull his finger out of his ass. He's got to start playing good footy. Yeah, former number one pick. He got dropped last year and didn't play much at all. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he did get dropped. Number one picks just shouldn't be playing this pathetically, and he is plain and simple. Speaking of, I can't really say it's pathetic, but GWS versus Melbourne. Fuckload of injuries for the Giants coming through, especially to their leadership group. I'll talk about that at the end of this. Toby Green, 117, five goals, 448K. That's going to shoot up. He's a potential top six forward now. The Giants all of a sudden have a lack of mids, a big bodied mids. I think he's going to start rotating through the midfield a little bit more, especially now that he will be captain. I reckon even up forward, he's going to play absolutely massive and he's one to watch. Yep, he had his tail up on the weekend, was very impressive. He's in 9% of teams, so he is on people's radars. But we've seen with Toby Green, his numbers are really good when he swings through that midfield. Even in his debut season when the Giants, sorry to remind you, Dane, were getting spanked by 100 every week, he was playing in that midfield and averaged 100 over 100 in his rookie season. He's never had an issue with scoring while he's playing in that midfield, but... The up-and-down nature of playing as a forward has been his issue. But if he can get 20 30 40% of time in that midfield group, he's definitely an option. And he's only 448K at the moment. One thing that I noticed by the Giants is that Leon Cameron actually had a game plan and it was something completely fucking different. Taranto in the middle, awesome. Got 114. Kelly cracked 100, scraped by 23 disposals, two goals. But what was interesting was... Nicky Haynes playing a bit more of a quarterback role, pushing up the ground, linking like a Wickfield, which was really weird, but it seemed to be working before the injuries went down and it stuffed up the whole giant structure. Uh, Tanner Brune potentially come back in with all these injuries. So don't be surprised if we have a rookie influx from the Giants, much like Matty Flynn got an 89. Uh, he was okay against Gorn. Great cash cow. I've got him on field. Paddy, you got him on the bench? Yep, sitting in my R3, so the scores don't matter too much for me as long as he's churning in that cash. And 89, he's doing way more than I even expected him to, especially against the best ruckman in the comp. Yep, leading into his opponent, Max Gorn. He was absolutely everywhere. Intercept marks, kicking goals, 163. That's why you spend the big bucks. If you didn't VC Grundy like we told you to on Friday night, if Gorn wasn't your captain, you should be reassessing your super coach credentials. Absolutely killed it. That's what he does. My guarantee failed and I changed right at the last minute when I heard rumours that DeBoer was going to tag him. That was Clayton Oliver. So as a Giants fan, good on you, DeBoer, for what you were doing. But as a super coach, fuck you, DeBoer, for doing good. Clayton Oliver, 67 super coach. After DeBoer got injured, he came into the game. But it's concerning signs in that now teams realise that they can tag Oliver out of it. Yeah, and... The probably good thing for, not good thing for the Giants, but the good thing for us super coaches is that DeBoer did a hammy in that third quarter. 
Oliver was sitting on about 20 when he did that hamstring and he got up to a 67, which is respectable in a tag, but it's just good in the sense that DeBoer got injured because he's not an issue of getting ta- of tagging every week. So The one that everyone thought DeBoer would tag, though, was Christian Petrarca. Now, Pato, you've been talking about Petrarca not suiting the extended time super coach-wise for the quarters because you reckon last year that they were more heavily weighted on quick impact players. Petrarca was, again, disappointing. He got an 84. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, he had a decent enough game. He's still got his 29 touches, but he's just not having the impact on games than he did last year. The Demons still did very well. Cozy Pickett was huge, but they got their midfield dominance from other guys, and it's a bit concerning. If I was a Petrarca owner, I'd be looking at that trigger. But in saying that, I traded Cripps out, and he got 100. So... Probably keep an eye on the situation, hold on to him, but keep an eye. Move on to the game that's actually been playing right now, which is the Geelong Cats versus Hawthorne Hawks. It's the third quarter at the moment, middle of the third quarter. My boy, the guff, the fucking guff. He's on 112. It's not even three-quarter time yet. What a man. Yep. We may as well rename the podcast to the to the Guts show. Absolutely <laughs> killing it. He's on 112 and it's not even three-quarter time. 29 touches at the time of recording. He's absolutely everywhere. Dana, we're going to have to bring him into our teams at this at this rate. Yeah, and he's got Duncan playing with him, who's on an 81 currently right now. It's not even three-quarter time. Everyone's concerned about Guthrie having to compete with all of these. Oh, no, he's just gone to 116. The guff. Like, he's he's literally just cracked 30 disposals right now in front of our eyes, not even three-quarter time. Do not be concerned about the guff. I'm endorsing the guff. He's going. He's probably going to be out of reach soon, though. He's only been on the field 76% of the time, too. Jesus. Yep, absolutely killing it. Someone that's not killing it, though, Tommy Mitchell. Now, I mentioned last week that he might be in danger of the O'Connor tag because they saw that it really worked against Neil last week. He's gone to Tom Mitchell, sitting on 50 as we speak, just before three-quarter time. And O'Connor himself actually has more touches than Tom Mitchell. So they're going to keep rolling with that, I think, the Cats. So definitely one to watch if you're looking at VC or, or C options against the Cats because I think they'll tag Tommy Mitchell. He will get tagged every now and then, so don't be too concerned with that. That just happen- That just comes with being one of the better players in the comp. Our boy CJ... Sitting on 61 at the moment. Still looks good as well. He's doing some great things. We mentioned him last week. Yeah. The one I really want to talk about, though, Dano, Tom Phillips. Now, we mentioned last week, don't stress too much. He's not going to play the reigning premiers every week. Sure enough, they're playing against the other grand finalists from last year. He's up to a 63, using the footy a lot better, 87%. Got 16 touches. He's doing just fine at the, at the moment who's not doing fine as we are live, who I need to get to fucking 21 points. It's Tyler Brockman. He's sitting on five. The impact that we were talking about Chad Wingard having on his scoring has been pretty big. Yeah, just get to 21, Brockman. I want to get. I want to hit 2,100. That's all. He's on my field. The other one that I'll just quickly touch on, Dano, Jacob Kajitski. There was murmurs that he was going to play for Box Hill this weekend. Just made the cut, I think, but he hasn't got near it. He's had two kicks. He's turned them over both times, sitting on one super coach. I reckon he may get dropped for next week. That's just a hunch, though. And it's not going to look good for our defensive rookie stocks if that's the case. Brockman just got a touch. 
He's just got a touch. But we'll go back to Cam Guthrie. He's on 124. I'll leave it at that. The Guth, the Guth watch is over. Now, it's it's not an even three-quarter time, 124 jump on. We'll talk about Jordan Clark as well. He's on 42 currently. A lot of people do have him. I personally wouldn't. But, yeah, he's he looks like he's struggling out there big time. So, may, I, I'd say keep holding him. You've got him for a reason. He's probably going to slap out a 100-plus score at any moment. But, yeah, he's not playing the greatest in this game right now. Yeah, as long as he's playing games, I'm going to keep hold of him and just hope hope he gets those big scores eventually. Jarman Impey is on 77 Supercoach. He's just over 200K. So if you brought him in last week as we were discussing it, good on you. He's going to, if he cracks a 100 again, that's two 100-plus scores in a row. He'll be good for you. He'll make some serious dosh. So we'll go on to the questions as asked by you guys, our listeners. First one comes from Jed again, okay, James Durkin. He asked, is Waterman a must-have or are we overreacting to Essendon beating up a shit St Kilda? So, Waterman, is he a must-have or should Jed look at someone else? I would be looking at someone that's already on the bubble. He's had one good game, yep, but Essendon aren't going to play that well every week. We saw with Jimmy Rowe, he had 104 in round one. Granted, it was against a pretty good team in Geelong, but he followed it up with a 19 the next week. We can't get too sucked in by these first-up scores because you can look a million bucks one week, but you can look five cents the next week. Waterman is definitely on my radar. I think he's going to be someone that I bring in. He's 102K, so he's super cheap, rock bottom, but... He could pump out a 20 next week and we all of a sudden think, oh, maybe he's not a certainty to stay in that team. Just wait and see with that one. Our final question for the week was from Luke, who asked us about any rookie price players this week. Now, there's a couple of guys on the on the bubble here, Dano. One is Devin Robertson from the Lions. Now, he looks good, had 83 on the weekend. As long as he holds his spot in that Lions team, he could be a good little cash cow. The other one I think is going to be even better. Heath Chapman from the Dockers had 86 Supercoach, so he should make some very good coin for us. You got any more for us, Dano? Uh, that's pretty much it. Um, Chapman's probably the only one that is on the bubble that you could really consider. Waterman, you can hold off a bit and wait and see what's going on. Luke Parks is another one. you just got to wait and see, so... If you're going to go with any of them to bring in, if you've got dire need to, yeah, I'd probably look at Chapman. Uh, but that's if you can afford him. He's 147K. If not, and you're in dire straits and you need a player to play, hold off on trading. Just have a look when the rolling teams come out. If Waterman plays again, which I think you should, and you really need a rookie, consider Waterman then. I'm not one for bringing in rookies around early before they're on the bubble. But if it if it's desperate times, then go for it. If you can afford him, though, get Chapman. He's about to go up in price. And he has no competition for his spot right now with the injuries to Frio's defenders. Yep, Chapman's the one for me too, mate. So we are not called the Supercoach co-captains for nothing. Every week, we give you guys VC and C options for your side. We'll kick it off for round four. Sydney Swans versus Essendon, Thursday night. What do you say, Pato? I'll lead the charge. VC, left field option if you got him in the 6% of teams that do. Callum Mills. I reckon he's going to have a big one. Yeah, there could be a few options from this game, Dano. We mentioned Jordan Ridley before. He could be an option for us. A bit more conventional, 
I'll probably go with Jake Lloyd if he has one of those big games against the Bombers. But Callum Mills, it could be a ballsy one. But as we've mentioned before, when you're doing your VC, you can afford to do a left field one to really come out of nowhere. And Callum Mills isn't a bad suggestion. And I think this round, will be, the VC option will be crucial because further games into the round, your normal standout players actually might not impact the game as much as we think and it puts doubt in our mind. So if you can nail that VC, loop them if you've got, let's say, an Aiden Fife before the Saturday. So we'll move on to the next game. Friday night, Port Adelaide versus Richmond. I can't see too many VC options. One maybe in Jaden Short. I reckon he'll bounce back from that game and he'll absolutely be a pig off halfback slash in the middle. What do you reckon, Pato? Two options I really like. Dusty could go big after a somewhat low game last week, but the one I really like, Travis Boak. If you've got Boak, I reckon jump on. Our midfield's a bit decimated. See if Koch gets up. Presti is definitely out. So we could have quite a young midfield group and Travis Boak could absolutely feast on that this weekend. Fair point there, Pato. Saturday, 10th of April, Western Bulldogs versus the Brisbane Lions. This one's got a little bit of intrigue around it. VC options, you can't go wrong with your Dunkley or your McRae's as a VC option for the Western Bulldogs. Another VC option, Lockie Neal, and we keep putting him up because he's done in the past. He's a proven performer, but the back niggle is something that we're just not sure on, but I don't think you can really go wrong with fielding Neil and putting the VC on him. Personally speaking, I wouldn't be trusting any midfielders against the Dogs. I honestly think, this isn't even me tripping here, I think the Bulldogs have the best midfield in the history of the game this year, and I wouldn't be trusting any of my premiums against that midfield. Not even a Jared Lyons as a left field option if anyone has him. If anyone's bringing in Jared Lyons, I dare them to put the VC on them this week. Bang, Pato goes whack. Okay, St Kilda versus the West Coast Eagles. Don't mind Jack Steele in this one. Looks to be back to his best from last year. Could feast on a West Coast midfield without Shuey and Yo. Yeah, I can't really see anyone else. Maybe a gaff if you got him, but you probably wouldn't trust the bloke at this stage. But yeah, I can only really have confidence in Steele. So move on to the Suns versus Carlton. This one... Could have a few VC options, I reckon. Yep. If you're not a fucking idiot like me, Patrick Cribbs might be a brilliant VC option in this game. <laughs> Another one that might be a good option, Lukosius to bounce back after a poor game this week. Yeah, I was going to suggest Jack Bowes as a potential VC option as well. But honestly, I reckon that you could get 120 out of Sammy Walsh, minimum. He's just going about it. So I reckon Walsh is a bit of a safer bet. The game that I have no fucking idea what's going to happen with. Collingwood versus the Giants down at the MCG. There's going to be so many vice captain options that you can pick out of this one. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, plenty of options, but the one that stands out like me, and it's probably an obvious one, Brody Grundy. 160 last week, playing against our boy Matty Flynn this weekend, who's done well, but I think Grody could get the hold of him on the, on the MCG on Saturday night. Yep. Other one, Josh Kelly. He's slowly built more and more and more. This is a time where the Giants need their leaders, and there's two that come to mind, or even three, that could be huge in this game. One's Josh Kelly. We could be 
seeing that big 170 to 200 score that they've been waiting for Josh Kelly to pump out. The other one's Timmy Taranto playing in the guts, him rotating through the midfield, resting forward, more mid than forward. Yeah, I could see that happening. The other one's Toby Sun, Toby Green, if you've got him, the 9% of coaches that have him. He's another one that could go absolutely freaking bananas. So there's three options for the Giants there. Brody Grundy wouldn't even be a VC option for me. He'd be a C. He'd be that guy that if you got him, if your VC's failed from the previous games before the Suns game, pencil him down as a C because he'll just he's just an extra mid. Next game on the Sunday, Arvo, is the Crows versus the VFL Kangaroos. Now, <laughs> there's one very obvious one here for me. If you brought in Tex Walker, not only just to make cash, but I reckon, I'm calling it now, Dano, I reckon he's going to crack 200 this weekend. Funny you should mention this. I'm bringing this up because I'm going to hold him accountable. My father, okay, the Oracle, has come out and said he isn't, will not be surprised if this week North Melbourne roll Adelaide and the man goes for the Crows. Wow. I have heard some of the Oracle's predictions in the past and if this happens, oh, I'll be shocked. Even more shocked is Essendon absolutely destroying the Saints on the weekend. Yeah, he didn't predict that. But he's come out, he just usually just says these things, and I'm like, oh, you're crazy, mate. And he's come out and said he will not be surprised if North Melbourne go and beat the Crows because generally when a side gets pumped by 100-plus, they actually come out and win the next week. The only exception to that rule was the Giants and the Suns back in the day. So I feel like that's an exception to the rule because I was so young and just in the, yeah, in the competition. First. Correct. North actually do have mature players. So with that, a bit of a left-field vice-captaincy option, which many people have, would be Jack Zebel. Now, the only thing is you'd need a rookie or a non-playing player on the Sunday to come in really quickly between 110 and 320 to take the VC score. So if you've got a Texan and you want to take the VC score, you need someone from the Demons, Geelong, Dockers or Hawthorne, so maybe a, I don't know, a Cozzy if he's dropped, to come onto the field and take that captaincy option. So then you get the VC score. So I can't really see too many VC options on the Sunday, but more so be captaincy options, which leads me to the next game. Melbourne versus the Cats. I'm concerned that O'Connor is actually going to come out and tag Oliver again, like DeBoer did. So I'm going to say the safer option would be Gorn, but don't be surprised if Reese Stanley has a Reese Stanley superhuman game. Yeah, I'm a bit concerned with Oliver getting back-to-back tags, but that's the nature of Supercoach, isn't it? Maxi Gorn would be the one for me against the Cats last year in a reduced game. He's probably going to be my captain if my VC doesn't get up. The biggest left field option, the one that sounds like an STI. The guff is currently on 137 super coach points in the fourth quarter against the Hawks right now. He is going to be one of my left field options if you've got the balls to bring him in or if you've got him. Go the guff. I mean, yeah, if you own him or if you're bringing him in, he'd be a pretty decent option as a captain on Sunday. I'm getting jealous that I don't actually have him. (laughs) (laughs) Last game, Fremantle versus the Hawks. Whether or not Fife comes back, we don't know, and we won't know until the Saturday night. So if Fife is up and about, he could be a captaincy option, but I'd be more so inclined to go in a Brayshaw yeah. Yeah. Just quickly on Nat Fife. Uh, even if he does get named, I'd be a little bit concerned with him coming back after that concussion because 
We've seen the concussions can affect guys for a few weeks. Just keep an eye on how he's going to play if you held on to him. But the one for me, Tommy Mitchell, is currently getting tagged as we speak. Frio don't have any taggers of note. He could go big over in Perth. Plenty of room to move over there. He loves Perth. I reckon Tommy Mitchell would be a great option. Yeah, valid. We'll just do another live score update. Cam Guthrie's on 142 right now. Tommy Mitchell's on 68. This is in the fourth quarter of the Geelong Cats, Hawthorne Hawks. Easter Monday game. Tyler Brockman on an eight. I need 13 more points from you, Brockman. Fuck. Cozy on 19. The Hawks are coming though, Dano. So if he can get on the end of a goal, that'll get him up to 20. That's all you need. I think he needs more than a goal. But anyway, that's a wrap from us. From your super coach co-captains, this is Dane. And this is Pato. Signing off.